Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live, coming to you live from the studios Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Welcome, everyone, on Hope FM, Truth FM, uh, Refuge FM, so many stations uh, that have picked up Calvary Live over the years. Thank you for trusting us with your audience, and we thank the Lord for trusting us with His Word. As we bring the show to you Monday through Friday, uh, it is a it's a Bible answer show, but more of a pastoral emphasis. It's not just Bible answers. Uh, we're not just interested in a Bible answer. We're certainly not interested in arguing. So we won't allow uh, any arguing or you know fighting or any weird things like some typical uh, uh, radio talk radio. Like it's not a typical talk radio. It's a show that is designed for the Holy Spirit to minister to us and minister through us because we believe that the Bible, <clears throat> what the Bible teaches, and that is that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. And so we look to Him to answer our questions. We look to the Word. We lean upon the Holy Spirit and take your questions. So open lines always at the beginning of any program. The number to dial is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And you can text me. Text line is open now 24 hours a day, seven days a week for your prayer requests. And we will take them here at Calvary Church, and we will take them as a, as a staff. We will take them uh, in our prayer groups, and we also have a prayer team that get those prayer requests. <clears throat> and we will pray for you. And you can send them to this number, 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897, and that is our 24-7 text line that during the show, Monday through Friday, during this time you're listening to the show, you can text a question as well. <clears throat> Sorry about my throat. We just finished um, our first two hours of drive-through prayer, and we are excited about giving you the opportunity to reconnect with the pastors and the people of your church, and we're starting off by inviting you to drive to our parking lot Monday, Wednesday and Fridays from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. So I just literally walked in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Please forgive me. I hope I don't do that the whole show. Uh, talking with Judy, uh, who just got some news on cancer treatment, and she came to be, uh, she came and was brought here to be prayed over, to be encouraged. She hasn't been in church since the beginning of March. And because of her age, and because of her chemo treatment, and because of some other things in her body, she's got multiple layers of 
of uh, what do they call that? Um, she's got multiple um, danger um, risk categories. So she hasn't been in church since March, uh, but we uh, were able to minister to her in the parking lot. It was good. She kind of drew uh, so many of the staff because they're familiar with her, uh, and we all were able to talk to her, laugh with her. Uh, she's got quite the sense of humor, and we miss her on Sunday mornings. And I'm sure you miss your church. Uh, and I, I, for one, uh, as a pastor and as a community leader, thank you for considering your community. Thank you for... Um, it's not much of a sacrifice, quite frankly, but there is some sacrifice to it, not gathering together. But I can feel a swell coming that it's time for us as a church to gather together again. It's time for us as a church to gather together again. And I'm asking the governor to make that decision. For us, we have the Tri-County Health. I'm asking for them to consider making that decision uh, because churches are just as essential as gas stations, Costco's, um, uh, King Super Safeway, warehouses, mechanic shops. Churches are essential pillars in the community. And I know, uh, and I don't agree with it, but I know that uh, community leaders that aren't saved, that don't have the Holy Spirit in them, uh, that are purely pragmatic, don't agree. Um, but, you know, be pragmatic about it if you had to. And and allow your people to worship, and just say it. Just say it's okay. Gather together. Uh, we will clean. We will take things uh, seriously. We will tell the vulnerable to stay home. Uh, we will do what's necessary, but it's time. It's time. And so whether Jared Polis is listening, or anybody from his office is listening, or anybody that knows his office from his office has a uncle, cousin, uh, aunt, uh, that has a friend, that knows somebody from the restaurant, that knows Jared Polis, get the message to him. Um, I'm not speaking like on for every single pastor in town, but I bet I'm speaking for most of them. Let's get going and let us meet again. And just say it. Just say it. Just say, churches, you make the decision. And, you know, trust us. We'll make the right decision. We'll, what do they call it? Social separate the chairs, we'll put people in the different parts of the building, uh, we'll add services if we have to, but this idea of gathering 10 people uh, doesn't make any sense anymore. The numbers are going down, uh, the curve is flattened, and you know everything has risk. Everything has risk. I've been thinking about this uh, because I, I've been thinking about this in relationship to um, the church and just really processing it. I'm only responsible for Calvary Church here, but I've been thinking this through. Corporate gathering, biblically, is an essential part of the DNA of the church. That's actually part of the definition of the church, not a building. A building is not a definition of the church, but corporate gathering has been a part of the believers of God from the beginning. From the beginning. Adam and Eve are known to have worshipped God together. Uh, it somehow Cain and Abel were were the what was conveyed to them was sacrificial worship unto the Lord from who their mom and dad, and going all the way through. By the way, lines are open. I don't see the red lights flashing, so give me a call 303-690-3000. But corporate gathering for followers of God has been a, an essential part of the church essential part of God followers from the beginning. 
you know, whether it's 120 disciples in the upper room or groups of people, Acts chapter 2, 42, gathered together in homes, underground church meetings. Jesus said, where even two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. It could be thousands of uh, meeting in a, in a room and, and, you know, even this idea of, of saying, well, churches can meet 100 and 150 and 500. Well, for churches our size, that's not going to help. We need to give us the ability to make it available for people that want to be here. Um, and I, I don't want to discourage the governor from saying groups of 100 because that will help a lot of churches. But it doesn't help us. Uh, what we need is a full freedom, uh, in, and we have the freedom, so it's just a matter of when the leadership and the elders of the church decide to do this. Uh, but the, we, we, want the, we want the recognition, um, like any other business in town, uh, we, we are, we're a spiritual business, and we're not here to take, we're here to serve. And we do. And when we open up our parking lot for people to come and pray, People come and pray. People come with their hurts and their burdens. They didn't go to to, um, City Hall, even though I'm grateful for our new mayor and our previous mayor. They didn't go to the Tri-County Health Department. They didn't go to the governor's office for help. They came to this little piece of asphalt that used to be filled with tumbleweeds and, and basically weeds, this plot of land that was purchased with the precious money, that precious, listen, think about it, the precious after-tax money of the people of this community. They're the ones that give generously and sacrificially to this church that purchased the land, that built a building, that built another addition, that put uh, $250,000 we paid the city of Aurora for a tap fee that was a heartbreaking, I almost had, what do you tap what? And if we want to use the sewer, like we weren't, we weren't given any, any, um, oh, you know, your church will just tap in for free. We paid like, I, I, I might be overstating it. It might've been $200,000, uh, back, uh, 13 years ago. And, 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 and I can, and, and then, and then you have, uh, all the the service and ministry and food and care and concern that the people of this church give to their community. You have the people that work in the restaurant industry. You have the people that work for FedEx and UPS. You have people that work in um, the hospital. We have doctors, nurses, PAs, uh, LPNs, um, XYZ, ABC, everybody in. We have lawyers and everybody that infiltrates society to do good. And churches are essential. And gathering together is important. It helps us to grow as believers. It encourages us. Whether it was the guy that drove to our parking lot that said, I'm three days or four days sober. I just talked to him. Or it's the, and he's a, he's a younger guy. Uh, or it was the gal that comes and says, please, my family needs prayer. And I, I was only in one tent. We had four tents set up. So I'm sure everyone has their own testimony as today, all every, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to have pastors here. Uh, but today, most of the staff showed up because they wanted to be a part of it. So we had four tents set up and a good steady stream of people throughout the day. Um, but hey, uh, churches are essential in all our communities. 
and um, gathering together is part of the church. That, that's like t- saying Home Depot can't sell plywood. Like plywood is Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever. Uh, whoever else sells plywood, I don't know. I don't really use plywood, so I don't know. But you get the point. Um, so let's do it. Jared Polis, go on television and say churches can meet. Just do it. It'd be great. I read an article um, on our governor, and while I do disagree with some of the things that Jared Polis stands for, and I'm sure he disagrees with me, um, they said that he, in the article, they talked about how he was handling this in a reasonable, pragmatic way, like he was using logic and reason besides scientific evidence, and and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for, um, I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine the pressure he's feeling and the weight of lives that weigh on him, um, that greatly concern him. Um, and politics aside, um, it's decisions. Our decisions matter. And so, why don't you join me right now? Would you please, everyone listening in, uh, if you're listening in in another state, insert your governor's name. But let's obey the word of God and let's pray for our governor right now. So, Father, you know we're in Colorado here, and I am asking you to be with our governor as he makes serious decisions that affect millions of people. God, help us as believers to lay aside our partisan disagreements and to rush the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. I pray for Governor Polis's salvation. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself as a God that loves him and cares for him, and you have even when he was in the womb. That like Jeremiah, you knew him before he was in the womb, and you knew he'd ascend to the position he's in today. That takes you not by surprise. You knew that he would be the man in charge or in some level of of responsibility during this pandemic for our state. And I thank you for many of the positive decisions he's made thus far and how he has been an example to other states, even though he's received a lot of criticism of opening up too early. I pray that he would open up faster and that you would mitigate the risks, but even though we all face risks, And I pray, God, that you would be with Jared Polis today, right now, that he would sense, wherever he is in our state, whatever official duty he's doing, he would sense a maybe a feeling or a warm feeling or or a tingling in his brain or his wherever that would just be a remembrance or a moment of time that that he would know that we prayed for him. I think of that time in the scriptures when um, that servant was sick and the guy came to Jesus and and then when the report went back, they said, oh, it happened at exactly the same time because you do those kind of things to reveal yourself to people. So I pray for that. I pray you'd speak to him in his dreams. I pray you'd speak to him when he's talking to his accountant, when he's deciding how to spend his money, uh, when he is living his life, that God, you would speak to him and that the goodness of God would lead to repentance. And I pray that for the governors that were mentioned by many other people, and the mayors, and the Tri-County Health people. I don't even know who runs the Tri-County Health people, but I pray for them, that they would recognize the risks, but also entrust uh, our ability to follow their directions. In Jesus' name, amen. 
303-690-3000 is the number. Shane's calling from Yoder, Colorado. Shane, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. How yeah, are you what's doing going today? on? I'm doing great. Good. Um, I just had a question kind of along the lines of what you were talking about um, <clears throat> with what's going on with the coronavirus and everything. Um, how do you know where to draw the line um, in obeying the law of the land over the law of God? Because Paul says that all is lawful, but all is not edifying. Sure. So no. therefore, in this instance, if you apply that, it would be, I would, in my eyes, I would think that it would be the law of the land is what's lawful, and then what's edifying is always going to be God's law. So how do you draw that line into saying, <clears throat> when I'm going to obey the law of the land over God? Well, there's a couple ways that we can draw it that I think we'll all agree on, although there's probably some disagreement when it comes to the definition of what's sin or not. But when when a ruling governing authority instructs us to sin, then we know that that's against God's law. We, we don't follow the sin. Now, for example, if there was a government mandate to abort babies, that clearly, clearly goes against everything uh, that God teaches in His Word. It goes against common sense. It goes against the teachings of God. Uh, that mandate, that law that would compel you, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of um, legal speak to say, but when, a, when I'm being compelled to uh, abort a baby, then I, and then I must choose not to abort the baby and take the consequences. The consequences may be my head get, gets cut off. The consequences may be I'm in life in prison. The consequences surely would be something along the lines where the government would impose the law upon me, their law. And so when something's sinful, uh, we need to obey God and not man. Now, the the question becomes, what is sinful? You know, and so things are clearer. Things are some things are super crystal clear in the Bible, and other things aren't. What I have found. Uh, is that most people are not willing to pay the consequences of obeying God rather than man. And because of that, they choose to compromise. And that, that's a prevalent, that again, speaking about our governor and his choice to be pragmatic, many believers in Jesus Christ, and I have to say, and maybe you can say the same for you, but I have to say that I have sinned in that way before being pragmatic. Um, choosing a pragmatic approach to something rather than a biblical approach. It's sin, just very clearly. Now, that, that, that's not to say that a pragmatic a, a, approach isn't also a biblical approach, because that's true too, um, but certainly... As long as you're, the will of what's being done pragmatically is along the, in the same accord with God's will. Yes. And yeah. so think of it this way. So let's think about this current... Um, this current uh, consideration of what we're doing right now in, in not meeting together in a building. We're not being compelled not to meet together. We're being asked, or I guess you could say there's an order. I don't know how they'd enforce it, but there's an order, or and now the order's over, but there was an order. Well, actually not, you know, it's all confusing, right? So the state's one thing. We're in Arapahoe County here, so we have the order still till Friday. Stay at home, and uh, 10 people, and 
you know, I don't know how the health department, I guess the health department would, the health department police would come and, and bust us. <laughs> I don't know what they would do. However, they, that the word has gone out in our community that a virus that's very dangerous, that's overwhelming the health community, overwhelming um, all, all of the scientific information, even though there are different views and different, you know, they got one thing one day and another thing another day. Um, I think we can all agree that the decisions that were made have some bearing on um, the flattening the curve and less infections, et cetera. So the church isn't being told that they can't gather. They're being, they're being asked to gather another way temporarily. Now, they didn't say how long that temporary gathering, because we have technology today. We have, if we wanted to, some churches, if they wanted to, could have gatherings of under 10 um, if they wanted to. You know, for us, that means we'd have to have, you know, 500, 400 meetings, um, which is not, not helpful for us. So instead, we can't have a bunch of 10, meet, 10 people gatherings. Uh, so instead, we've already had technology. We can harness it and use it for the gospel. Um, but this isn't unprecedented. This, this government saying that they want to look out for your safety and making you do something, this is not unprecedented. And we submit to these things all the time. Let me give you an example. Did you did you go to work this morning, or did you drive somewhere today? I did. Did you put a seatbelt on? I did. Did you want to put a seatbelt on? Yes. So if you didn't want to put a seatbelt on, what would happen? Uh, I could be perfectly fine, or I could have injured or killed myself. Yeah, and you could have you could have injured other people by being thrust out the window and. Um, but the reason we, one, one of the main reasons why putting on a seatbelt is a habit for us is because it's, it was mandated upon us and it still is. You could drive down, you know, the big signs on E470 and they'll say, click it or ticket, uh, I think is what the phrase is. Yeah. And it's a, it's something that the government, yeah, yeah. So, so we, we recognize that there are other things mandated upon us that we may or may not agree. I, I wear a seatbelt, and I don't need a law to put a seatbelt on. It is a habit. I don't need to be told to do that, uh, and, and I don't understand why people don't wear them. However, the idea wasn't mine. Uh, the idea for seatbelts wasn't mine. Uh, it's something that within the government, and because it's not that imposing and it really doesn't speak too much, I guess, you know, if you... I guess you could make a biblical argument for it, right? If you don't put your seatbelt on, you don't really care about your life. You're not taking care of your temple of God. Um, you don't care about the safety. I guess you could make some kind of biblical argument. But the point I'm making isn't really along those lines. It's along the lines of finding this balance where I, I know that I'm going to have to stand before God for my decisions. And, and your input's important to me. It is. And if you have an opinion, I would hear it. But I, it's not as important as God's, uh, hopefully. But you could go, Ed, I don't think you this, and I think... I'm like, okay, I hear you out, I receive it, but you're not my God. And ultimately, what it comes down to is my conviction and my Holy Spirit-inspired conscience as I stand or fall before God, which can be really challenging, truly, when your decisions affect other people. Okay, so and so, where would you like? Because I know you kind of said it. Sin kind of regular, it kind of floats because 
what might be sin to you might not necessarily be sin to me because maybe you can have a glass of wine where I can't because I used to be an alcoholic or whatever and so forth. But so how would you be able to work that around? Because like for me right now, I don't have access to technology. So for the last two months or whatever, we haven't been able to go to church. We haven't been able to meet with anybody or anything like that. Can't do anything online because we don't have internet or access to it because the library's closed. So all these churches are shut down. All these people that we know are like us that don't have access to internet and stuff, and we're all suffering because everybody's like, "Oh, just get online." Right, right. So then, so why does the toe have to suffer, or the 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 butt of the church have to suffer because we have a different set of convictions that? the mainstream church has because they kind of not not no offense to you and I just I see this okay. in several churches around the world they kind of roll over when the government says something or somebody else comes in and applies something onto them they kind of roll over and they don't really stand up anymore like they used to, used to right well what you interpret roll over is I would interpret as an expression of love and an expression of love to the community you know I think of What's been taken from us, uh, what or what's been attempted? To, uh, I don't even think it's. I, I don't. I don't hit the conspiracy theory um, role at all. I understand prophetically. I see the world getting set up. I don't disagree with that. But the idea of things being taken from us. I mean, the 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 church in China still meets underground. They still share pages of scripture. There's still not a, like like there's real persecution going on in the world. And so what I say for something like you, so to help you think through this is there are other means besides a church building that Shane can hold church. Uh, you can still gather together. You can still open the Bible together. You can still sing together. Uh, there, that, that, that I would advocate in, the, in where Shane is in his unique uh, situation, the ability to worship God hasn't been taken from you. Um, you can still do that. And you have to be creative, you, it may not be what you're used to. It may not even be traditionally what any of us are used to. But because you're limited in your availability of technology or whatever, um, we have to be careful because when we're making, when we're, when we're thinking down these paths, we can't let the exception become the way that we make the rules. Uh, the exceptions need to be dealt with as exceptions, and and does an exception doesn't mean it's any less valuable. It just means it's less common. And so we have to have a solution for something that's less common, like you, uh, and where you are in your community. I mean, when I think of Yoder, Colorado, I have to say, I don't even know where it is. So where in... You know, Ellicott, Rocky Mountain, Ellicott. Ah, oh, got it, got it. Okay, good. So you're down south. What would it be, southeast? Southeast of Colorado Springs? Yeah, straight out 94, about right. 45 minutes. So, and so I, I would say when it comes to exceptions... Uh, then we need to deal with the exceptions. For example, you know, on the flip side of this, just thinking in a broad sense, um, those that advocate abortion always appeal to exceptions to make their make their point. Uh, and you'll hear that. You'll hear, well, what about the woman that's raped? What about the woman that is life is in danger? And and let the exception become the reason for a broader rule that doesn't really cover most of the most of the issue with abortion, like we admit that there are some exceptions that require wisdom, but but we require wisdom in the life of choosing, uh, in the essence of choosing life. 
And so I would back that same logic up and say, what you described is a is a valid exception. It's an important exception. So how do we address the exception in a time like this? Uh, and you you're not prohibited. Like the 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 police aren't going to come to your house if you have people over to your house to worship. Yeah, that is true. And 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 so you but you ask a bigger question. We all and we're all going to have to answer to God. I think one of quite frankly, Shane. I think one of the big surprises of heaven will be. Um, whether we rolled over when we should have stood strong or we made a decision based on our conscience instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't think we're perfect in all our decisions. No, not at all. None of us are. Yeah. No, it's a great question. Thanks for calling. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. A great conversation. Great to think these things through. Uh, And great to hear feedback. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to everyone to the second half of Calvary Live. We uh, we spent a good part of portion of the first um, part of the program talking about when do we make these decisions. And let me just tell you, it is easier to talk about it than it is to do it, uh, and the heaviness of the weight of these decisions. And even from a perspective, from an outsider's perspective, where um, Shane makes an observation that. Uh, in times like these, he sees the church rolling over instead of taking a stand. And there's even disagreement on what that looks like. And I have a lot of pastor friends uh, all over the country pastoring uh, large churches, small churches, different contexts. And the opinions, even among my pastor friends, are very different. Uh, they are a lot of uh, from the hyper I have pastor friends that are hyper conspiracy theory uh, and to. Uh, pastor friends that don't plan on opening until September, um, and and everything in between, and it's a challenging. It weighs heavy. It uh, we had our staff meeting this morning, and it weighs heavily upon me. Um, even as we were just talking about how we're doing individually, you know, we our whole staff, uh, well, our church side of the staff, the school side of the staff wasn't on the call, but the school, the church side of the staff, and just hearing some of the challenges that are weighing on those that, that work here. And, and then reading through all the prayer requests that we've gotten since we opened up our prayer line. Um, then, then, of course, I didn't even get to, I don't even know what the other prayer requests were uh, in, the, um, in the tents today. But uh, the ones that I dealt with, heavy, heavy duty. Uh, I think I prayed with five, maybe six cars. And out of those, let's say six, four of them had tears. So, like, we're talking heavy, heavy challenges that have to be dealt with without being able to worship together, and and super challenging, man. Just um, pray for your leaders. If ever you needed to, please do. Please start if you haven't already. Uh, 303-690-3000 is the number. Bonnie, welcome to the program. Hey, Bonnie, Welcome. Uh, Bonnie was asking a question based on last week's program because she was calling from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and she was talking about 
um, somebody on artificial life support, what would you do? Uh, I know what I would do. It's what I did. I would fight for life until the very end. Um, and if I had the ability to make choices, if I would, if I could make choices that personally affected my friend or loved one that was in a coma or on life support and my choices matter, I would choose life. And I would choose life to the very end. I would choose life with hope. I would not give up hope. Um, I did not give up hope and I won't give up hope. And I would encourage everyone to uh, encourage their mom, their dad, uh, their brother, their sister to get a um, living will where there's a medical power of attorney and where your wishes are put in writing when you are unable to speak for yourself. So for me, I can't speak, Bonnie, to the difficulty that's in your family because it does bring difficulty. Believe me, I understand. When, when you choose life and other people don't, it's very difficult. I get it. Uh, but in order to... Um, in order to alleviate some of that pressure, putting it in writing. If you put it in writing, then you know exactly what the person wanted. 303-690-3000. Give me a call. We have all lines open. 303-690-3000. Here's a text question that comes in from Teresa. Uh, because of the coronavirus, I haven't been able to attend church I did go online a couple of times, but the last four or, four or five weeks, I cannot get connected. My fellowship was mostly on Sundays because of the long commute. I do listen to Hope FM, and I'm encouraged and blessed. Uh, I thank you. My question is, I would like to send my ties to Hope FM uh, at this time during the coronavirus. Would my decision to do this be okay? I would like to know your thoughts on this. Teresa, our ties and offerings go first and foremost to our local church. And so what I would encourage you is to give of your tithes and offerings to your local church. However, I also understand that Hope FM needs your support as well. They are a listener-supported radio station. And so what our gifts to Hope FM, or like here in Grace FM, would be in the category of offerings. And I do think that it would be wise for you to give an offering uh, to the radio station. However, it can't, it can't be your tithe. Uh, because your tithe belongs to the Lord. And the way that we honor that is through, um, the way I believe we honor that is by giving to our local church. For example, uh, the church that owns Hope FM, or here, Calvary Chapel, we own Grace FM, and we're responsible for keeping all the licenses on and on and on and on and on, and on just all the financial responsibilities. But it's a ministry of our church. So the we even have a philosophy here of ministry where the church comes first, the ministry of the church comes first. And what I mean by that is that other ministries don't, other life ministries, the radio, even the radio station, if the radio station here ever became a burden, the church would need to let it go so that we could take care of the church. But because it's a ministry of the church, we would want people to continue to bless, to continue to give to their local church and not to another ministry because the local church, even in a crisis like this, needs people to continue to give. Now, what is what would, would God be displeased with you if you gave to Hope FM? I don't think so. But you ask the question in the context of the Bible and what the tithe is. And you know, the tithe is not even uh, mandated upon the church. 
but giving to the church is New Testament. Because remember, they came, <clears throat> remember when Ananias and Sapphira got busted, uh, and they uh, they sold a piece of land, and they, they where did they take the proceeds? They took the proceeds to the leaders of the church. And that's the principle. They laid it at the apostles' feet. And what did the apostles do with it? They used the money to take care of the people. They used the money for ministry. And so I don't know that God would not be pleased, but uh, you asked the question biblically, and I think that's uh, biblical. Uh, is this uh, Revelation eleven nineteen? 19? Uh, keep calling in, guys. I see uh, Kevin is processing calls, uh, but you had one more question on eleven nineteen. Let me look it up. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened. The Ark of His Covenant could be seen inside the temple. Okay, so I read the text. Your question is, is this the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament? Yes. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Over to Longmont, Colorado. Cat is calling. Welcome to the program. Hi. You're on the air. I was just wondering, on this verse on Genesis, it's chapter 1, verse 26. Yes. And it states, and God said, let us make man in our image yes. after our likeness. What is that stating? Are you from... It, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, is it stating that there's multiple... Um. Because they, they say that it's um, let us. So I know that God's spirit through and through Jesus, He came to save us. But I'm just wondering: is there more um, people on this earth? No. When so, He created us. No. So your your um, your question leads you to a doctrine known as the doctrine of the Trinity. Have you ever heard of that, that doctrine before, that teaching? No, the doctrine of the Trinity? The Trinity, T-R-I-N-I-T-I. And the, 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 the doctrine of the Trinity says that God has revealed, God is one and has revealed himself in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's developed very clearly in the New Testament. We have the Father claiming to be God in the New Testament. We have the Son claiming to be God in the New Testament. And we have the Holy Spirit be, be, uh, claiming to be God. We also have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit distinctly all at the same place at the same time. Do you remember where that happened in the New Testament? Are you familiar with that? Where you find the Father is there, the Son is there, and so is the Holy Spirit all at the same time, but all distinct from one another. No, I'm a new believer. I'm okay. a new. So, so I'm barely learning. So. Okay, that's cool. So this is fun because so, this is a this is a weighty doctrine. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lead you into the heavier parts of it, but you will understand this. There was a time when Jesus Christ was being water baptized. You know how important yeah. water baptism is. Jesus yeah. set the example for us. And while Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is standing in the water, there's a voice that speaks from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So the Father is in heaven speaking. Jesus Christ is in the water standing. And then we have the Holy Spirit 
descending on Jesus Christ, and they're all at the same place at the same time because they're distinct, and yet they're one. And this is known as the doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And back, if you back up now to Genesis chapter 1, we see that the doctrine of Trinity always existed because they were able to interact with one another. It, it's a mystery. Like We still can't understand how it all works like because mm-hmm. there's parts of God's revel- revealing himself to us that we don't fully understand, but at the same time, we can understand uh, what, how he describes himself. So let me give you a real quick example. It's not the best example, but at least it's something you can understand where you can have something that's one, but having three parts. You ready? Okay. So you're, let's go to the kitchen and pull out an egg. Okay, you got an egg in your hand. You ready? Mm-hmm. So you, if on the outside of the, if, if you were just looking at that egg in your hand, what would you call it? An egg. But you can only see the... Shell. Okay, so you got one part of that egg as a shell. So now we cracked it, and we see three different things. We see the shell, and what else do we see inside? The yolk. The yolk, and what else? And the white. And so if if we were to see a yolk, we know that it's part of an egg, and yet it's Correct. distinct. If we saw the white part, you know, because sometimes you got to separate it when you're baking or whatever, that white mm-hmm. part also is the egg, but it's distinct. And the shell is also the egg, but it's distinct. And yet together, before it's broken, what do we call it? An egg. And it's not the perfect example, but it's one that God can give us because there's quite a few three-in-one type of examples. Uh, I'll give you one more before we before we end, but the egg is a great one. Let me give you one more. Um, when, when you have a cup of water in front of you, the chemistry value or whatever, what is a cup of water known as if we were in chemistry class? H2O. H2O, you're right. What if I took that liquid, right? Where, so I've got a cup of water. I took that liquid and I froze it. What is it? Ice. But what would the chemistry name for ice be? I'm not sure. H2O. It hasn't changed. It's still H2O. Oh, okay. But now it's solid. So we've got liquid, H2O. We have solid, H2O. What if we heated it up so much on the stove that steam started to rise out of the pan? What would a chemistry student call that steam? H2O. Correct. So it's all H2O, but you can see it in three different forms. Okay, that makes sense. So it's not a complete, exact representation of God because God has revealed himself in three distinct persons, but all being one God. But it does give you your mind a little bit more to wrap yourself around. So when you look at Genesis 1, you're just finding out, oh, there was a trinity, a triune God from the very beginning. The Father was there, the Son was there, the Holy Spirit was there because they're all eternal. Okay, that makes sense now. I understand a l- way more than what I did. Good. Have you ever started like a New Believer Bible study? Would you like me to send you one? Sure. Okay, so I need you to email me, and I'll return your email with a link where you can download it. Okay. Okay, so send an email to ed 
That's just okay. ed at edtaylor.org, O-R-G, E-D-T-A-Y-O-R.org. Okay. And I'll return, just remind me of the conversation because I get a lot of email and uh, I'll okay. respond with some, some a link for some study tools that'll help you during this time. <laughs> okay, thank you. I appreciate it. And oh. I love your show. It's really brought me closer to the Lord. Oh, so. good. I listen every day. Okay, God bless you, Kat. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. 303-690-3000. Hey, I want to let you know we have service tonight, 7 p.m. We will be online studying the book of Daniel. Uh, Welcome in. We're almost done with the book of Daniel. I am currently praying about what next series, or I should say what next book to go into. Uh, And I have been diligently. I've narrowed it down to a couple and just really praying about what our church needs to hear what is God's heart for our church? What, and because we're on the radio, what's God's heart for those that might be connected to us by radio? So join us, calvaryco.church. Calvaryco.church is our website and all of our links there. You can join us live. We start at 7 p.m. We have a time of worship. We have a time of prayer. Get your communion elements ready because we always have communion every Wednesday. And you're, you can take communion during worship. Then we're going to pray. Uh, one of our pastors is going to uh, give us the prayer request for today. And I'm gonna, I'll lead. We call it Give 10. We pray as a church. And then I'll be teaching a Bible study in the book of Daniel. We only have a couple more studies and then we're done. I can't believe that we're almost done with Daniel. Uh, and it took me a little bit longer this year, or this time, from the first time I taught it. Um, developed a little bit more, a little bit um, different approach. Uh, so come on out. We have live streaming where it's on YouTube, Facebook, everywhere. Uh, and our, of course, our app and our website, calvaryco.church. Uh, I'm going to answer this by text, but I want to get it on the air too in case anyone else um, might have misunderstood me. It says, just wanting to be clear, are you saying that in cases of rape or the life of the mother, there are exceptions to being against abortion? And thank you for asking that question. I'm sorry that I wasn't clear enough in my communication, but I am in no way 100% not saying that there are exceptions against abortion uh, at all. The point that I was making was actually about those that do use those exceptions to try to take away from the normative answer in Scripture, uh, and they try to make an argument where the Bible is clearly 100% pro-life, not 99%, not quality of life. The Bible is, God is 100% pro-life, and therefore as believers, we too must choose. And in the cases of incest, rape, or the life of the mother, someone that likes to argue for exceptions, that likes to argue for uh, the idea that, uh, that, of course, it would be okay, um, use the exceptions, which are very, 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 very rare, that's not to minimize the exception. That's a challenging situation, for sure. But they try to use exceptions to overrule the norm, and that's not good logic. And that was the point I was making for the other question, that it's not good logic to take exceptions and to over, overturn the rule. Uh, we, we allow the rule to stand. Actually, unless there's a rule, there are no exceptions. So the, and again, I'm not an expert on logic, but just in logical thinking, 
we let the rule um, cover the exceptions, right? It's not that it's, there would be no exception if there was no rule. And, and yet when we come faced with a rape or the life of the mother, we choose life. And it is challenging. It is absolutely 100% challenging. I've never been in that situation and I wouldn't minimize it. So let, let's, let's flip it around. As challenging as it is, I would not minimize in any way someone that has faced this decision uh, of being raped or, or a family that has faced the decision that this pregnancy is threatening the life of the mother uh, or, or any incest, any of the other exceptions. I, wouldn't, I would not want us in the body of Christ to minimize those as well, like how easy it is to minimize them instead of valuing the people that are involved and helping to bring comfort and encouragement to them in the hardest decision of their life. But my advice would always be um, to choose life. That, that's my advice. I, I would, and, and of course, the, the questions come up in, in a variety of different ways, but I'm glad you clarified. I would not want you to think that uh, I'm using exceptions to somehow validate abortion. No way. Never, ever. So just in case anyone else was thinking that, I thought I'd read it on the air. 303-690-3000. We got got a a text that said, My name is Augustina. Thank you for the prayer for me and my daughter, Christina, from the drive-thru at the parking lot. So you're welcome. What an honor uh, to be able to pray for you. Uh, and thank you for driving by so that we could pray not just technology, although I, I love technology, but we could also pray in person. Um, what a uh, what an honor. Man, the phone lines are pretty light today. 303-690-3000 uh, is the number. It's okay. We've got a couple of, of questions that came in um, for... And, and just so you know, we are, uh, we are having parking lot prayer... Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, uh, we are calling it drive-through prayer, and you are welcome. Um, believer, unbeliever, uh, doesn't matter. Part of our church, not part of our church, uh, you are welcome here. Uh, and you are welcome to be here, uh, and we would love to pray. with. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if you come to the building, you'll see it all set up. But every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at uh, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. here at Calvary Church, we're on Hampton, one block east of Tower Road, Hampton and Tower, southeast Aurora. For directions and more information on how to get here, you can go to uh, our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church. All right, here's another question that came in via text. Uh, That is, what is the difference between the conscience and the Holy Spirit? How can I tell the difference? Well, a person that is unsaved relies upon their conscience to make decisions. You, You could refer to the conscience as a moral compass. And a conscience alone is not the best way to make a decision. Because your conscience can be developed and formed by your upbringing and by your culture. If you were raised in a community of people that uh, thought that bad behavior was okay, 
then your conscience never really um, was developed in a way to know right from wrong. Now, God, of course, gave you a conscience uh, in its purity. It is the, the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong. It's one of the tools that God uses from the inside, from your mind, to help you make decisions. But your conscience is, is not foolproof. Um, who is foolproof is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, and every believer that has repented of their sins and is born again has been given the Holy Spirit inside of them, to dwell inside of them. And your the Holy Spirit is able to communicate spirit to spirit, not just to your mind. So God can minister. God, God can deal with you internally, in a personal relationship through His Spirit, person to person, spirit to spirit. Whereas your conscience is more of a an element in the mind, uh, the the psyche, and 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 really helps you to, you know. It gives every God has given every human being the ability to process and to determine what's right and wrong. The problem is, is that their conscience always isn't always developed in the morality of God. The Holy Spirit is the morality of God dwelling inside of person. And remember, the conscience is is subject to the value system of the person. So, an immature, an immoral, a weak value system produces a jacked up conscience. Um, however, the Holy Spirit is God in, in spirit form dwelling inside of you. You've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ. The Holy Spirit is able to supersede a weak conscience and actually develop your conscience beyond those imperfections of immorality so that you can make the right decisions where, as the Bible says, your spirit bears witness with his spirit or vice versa. His spirit bears witness with your spirit not just in your mind of making decisions, but actually being done from inside of you, which is pretty powerful. Now, this is people have written books on this, um, so you can purchase books on this. But this is a simple definition of the the necessity of being born again. Your conscience uh, isn't going to get you where you want to go. It needs to be enlivened and perfected by the Holy Spirit, then it's a wonderful tool in the hand of God. 303-690-3000. What does it mean that the first will be last and the last will be first? Uh, Jesus is speaking when he shares that. Let me look it up for you. Um, The first shall be last. And let's see here. What passage are you? Uh, Luke chapter 13, let's see, 1330. Uh, Jesus is speaking about the way into the kingdom, and he's speaking about the value system of the kingdom, and he's speaking about those that, uh, when he gives this uh, illustration, he says to strive through the, to enter through the narrow gate, because there's a lot of people that will seek to enter that can't go in. Then he gives the illustration about the master of the house is shutting the door, you begin to stand outside and knock, open for us. We ate and drank in your presence. You know, the people that thought they were first, the people that thought they were in, the people that thought all their good works were going to get them in are actually last. And the people that, that are humble, that, that didn't think their life really mattered, they just had a simple relationship with God, they're going to enter in. Um, there will be 
There, there are those that will last that will be first, and there will be those who are first that will be last. So I believe Jesus is speaking about the attitude of the heart and the, the mindset of pride and arrogance. Um, does this play into the chosen ones during the Great Tribulation period? No. I don't believe it plays into the ones that are chosen as much as it plays into the ones that are real believers and fake believers. Um, I think that, that Jesus is drawing out this sense of people thinking they're okay, but they're really not. And the ones that kind of waver a little bit and think they're not okay really are. And it really has to do with their relationship with the Lord. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Hey, Pastor, I wrote last week about the logic about non-opening church. I heard your call just a few minutes ago. I'm very confused. There are several local churches in the Springs that opened last Sunday with plans and approval, uh, doing it legally. Uh, The one I know of had 90 congregants uh, attend via an RSVP online. Um, it's my understanding that, that with bigger churches, it will be difficult. It can be done. What do you think about pushing to reopen RSVP line uh, while having ushers seat people accordingly? Um, I believe, uh, according to that, to, I don't know much of the details of what you're sharing, but I do believe it's time. Uh, and I don't believe in pushing. I just believe in doing. Uh, and so I'm hoping that uh, we uh, will make a decision for ourselves as a church and and we'll make the decision, and we will do it as unto the Lord. And and we're super close to that. So pray for us. All right, you hear the music. Come on out online, 7 p.m. tonight here at Calvary Church. We'll see you then, calvaryco.church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.